before this episode I just want to say a few words since the last episode my, one of my mentors Rob Sterlingfield passed away I just want to take this moment to thank him he was a genuinely nice guy he helped me out a lot I was hoping that in, I could go to Chicago and buy him a beer anyways um, thank you Rob and rest in peace Thank you all. Hey, hey, today we got Matt Brohead here, Dr. Matt Brohead here. He just recently got his PhD. And uh, Matt, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, um, I'm from Northern Michigan and I uh, became interested in psychology uh, kind of by accident. I took a course with Dr. Uh, Richard Malott back at Western Michigan University a couple, uh, you know, back in 2005, 2006 and really turned me on to human behavior. And since then, I've uh, spent a lot of time working with children with autism. I've been spent a lot of time working with teachers and uh, paraprofessionals and um, other researchers and trying to prove the social and academic outcomes of individuals with aut- autism. And um, over the last four years, I just finished up my PhD at Utah State University, and I am uh, excited to be talking uh, with you today about behavior analysis and, um, you know, whatever, all things nerd, so to speak. That's all good. I wanted to call our group Nerd Herd, but uh, I don't know if we can trademark that thing. I tried to get an email on that, but apparently it's not working on Facebook. <laughs> Anyways, um, what is your Skinnerian message or quote that's ABA related or ABA inspired? Um, you know, I just, you know, I, I like quotes, but I but I just want to say that I like the overall message of, of behavior analysis. So is that fair to, to say that I that I'm more of a fan of a con- of the concept than any statement that uh, all behavior happens for a reason and all operant behavior happens for a reason. And all it just takes is a bit of detective work to be able to figure out how to change behavior. So that's the thing that really inspires me. Very cool. When and why did you decide to get your BCBA or what I say, become a Jedi? And do you remember the day you got your BCBA? Yeah, I do. I, um, you know, I decided I want to get my BCBA when I was uh, a practicum student at Western Michigan University. And I saw the, the influence that master's students and um, PhD students had on training people to implement behavior analytic strategies. So it was great to be a therapist, but I felt like I could make a bigger impact by training multiple therapists and multiple people on the implementation of the science. And so that to me was the turning point in deciding to pursue um, uh, a degree further. And I do remember the day that I passed the exam and got my degree, uh, my certification. And I did, I did celebrate that day. I was very, very excited. It was something I'm very proud of. Uh, I was very proud of at the time, and I'm still very proud of to uh, have today. Congratulations. Um, uh, have you checked that one of the things I used to do was uh, I would go on the website, go on the BACV website, and then just type my last name in, and then voila, there's me. <laughs> right. Is there, are you the only broadhead on, in the world that has the degree? Have you, I mean, have you the certification? As as far as I'm as far as I know, I am, which is which is really cool. You know, there's I don't know many broadheads in general, and so it's nice to you know be even um, uh, more unique in being the only broadhead that has a BCBA as well. Wow, for four years, almost five years, you still keep your title the only one in the world. Come on, that's breaking rights right there. I used <laughs> to be, but uh, yeah, last time I checked, there's someone else with my last name in Canada. I'm gonna look. Yeah, I'm gonna tell her to hopefully it's a she i'm gonna tell her to get married have you reached out to this person i have not i, I will you should i will it's like okay well you stay in canada don't come <laughs> to the u.s this is my turn but um yeah maybe we'll see if we can connect and that last name usually come from 
Hong Kong. So we'll see yeah. if we can do something together. But it's like, okay, I can't tell my dad that you know your son is the only BCBA in this world with this last name. Can't say that anymore. <laughs> no, you, can't. you still get that right. So you should, we should, we should make. I'm big on making T-shirts, so you should make a T-shirt. The only BCBA in town. That sounds that sounds like fun to me, and and, and in Utah it's nice too because I really. If I said I'm the only BCBA in town, it's kind of right because there really aren't that many here, which is uh, again unfortunate. But again, something we're trying to fix up too, which is why people should attend um, graduate school at Utah State University. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> I might get commission from you. Uh, <laughs> we're paying we're paying you out to uh, uh, publish this information. So <laughs> you go. We can we can work things up. Um, well, you did. Uh, show us your card a little bit, but can you trace your ABA lineage a little bit? Yeah, um, I can trace it back uh, a couple different uh, directions. So I worked with uh, Dr. Richard Malat for my master's degree at Western. He studied um, uh, Columbia University with with Keller and Schoenfeld, you know, which obviously are, are very uh, had a lot of roots with Skinner there. My my current or you know my advisor now, Dr. Tom Higby, uh, was a student of Jim Carr's, who worked with John Bailey, who worked with Don Bear. Um, I believe that's the lineage there. So uh, it's pretty sweet uh, to come from from something like that, and uh, it's been nice. I mean, especially like I think that I uh, I could say then that my interest in ethics is maybe genetic because that comes from uh, not from John Bailey, and I'm only kidding when I say that it's genetic. But <laughs> well, it's by ABA bloodline, so yeah, sure. This, well, you've... So it's environmental anyway, right? It's, oh yeah, that's true. So wow, look at your like Skinner sign, and then you got. Bailey, wow, wow, royal bloodline. I've been interviewing people that you know. See you, the prince. <laughs> what is what was your the force with me moment? The, the the moment that you think, hey, aha, this ABA thing really works. I should really pursue this. When I and this might be the same story that a lot of people have had. Is I was just working with a child with autism, and I saw the power of behavior change firsthand. You know, and I'm talking positive behavior change in the sense where you know, I'm getting getting him to talk and, and man for things and then look at me. And these were so, so important to me. Um, it made me feel really worthwhile what I was doing. And that was to me the moment that I knew that this was the right career for me. Okay. Then on the other hand, what was your biggest failure? If you can pinpoint one thing that, you know, something that you wish you could have, I mean, starting over, is there a moment that you thought, you know, you make a big mistake and you wish you could have it back. Yeah, no, I, I do. And, I, and I'm, I'm happy to share that because I hope that this is one thing that I think that as a field we struggle with now, now that it's all said and done with is I think when I started my PhD here, I, you know, I felt very, very proud of the fact that I was coming from Western. And, and I do still feel, feel very proud of the fact that I came from Western Michigan. But I think I had a little bit of an attitude about it. And I, that wasn't a really good way to make friends with other people um, in other disciplines that I was working with or other people here at the university. And so for for a short time, I had a hard time um, making professional friends because I had um, developed a its behavior analysis or the highway type of approach. And, and though I still feel, feel very strongly about behavior analysis, I mean, obviously, but I, I think I have um, uh, developed my way of, of uh, professional relationships a lot more over the years. And I just wish that I would have learned that sooner. Um, and I hope that that makes sense, but I think it's just something that we can all continue to work on and strive for to be able to be better, um, interdisciplinary, uh, professionals with one another. I completely agree. It's just, just, it's really hard for us to talk to someone that, you know, constantly telling you that 
say my favorite bacon diet is working and you want sure. to tell them it's not working yeah i like bacon but it's not working let's come to terms you know how many people that do you have any evidence do you have any statistics to show us nothing but they see them you're going the wrong path and we cannot it's hard to agree to disagree in some way but uh sure. yeah i like to tell people you know go make some mistakes you know then then you you can i don't know maybe you're the smartest person in the world not but you just have to go out and make some mistakes before you know that that's just one way to learn like pat Fryman said you just freeman said you just have to make some mistakes you know either repetition yep. or contrast so you either put your hand on the stove you know it burns then i don't have to tell you another you know by million time not to touch the stove that's how i see it absolutely you have to behave uh in order to have your behavior shaped and that's in what better time to have that happen in, in grad school than in the real world, which is what happened to me. Lucky for me, by the time I get out to the, wor- the real world, I'd learned that lesson. Well, we'll see you. Uh, Matt and I are going to hang out in May, so hopefully I can, we can, you guys can hear this and buy us a beer. That would be great. On the other hand, what was your biggest success as a BCBA or working in the field? I think my biggest success was um, I had worked closely with the school district metropolitan area of Salt Lake, and we had established a preschool um, in kindergarten classroom with the school district uh, that provided intensive uh, behavior analytic services for children with autism. And for me, developing both of those classrooms and, and making them sustainable after we left uh, was a really big accomplishment um, because I felt like I was just, I had reached that point where I was able to talk with other people, administrators, uh, district uh, professionals, related service providers, and be able to come to common ground with everybody and really make um, things work not only for us in the district, but also uh, most importantly for the children. Um, so yeah, I look back at that as maybe my biggest accomplishment to date. Your baby. Yeah, I was excited. It was a really, really interesting experience. And um, I'm really, really sad to leave it now. I think that, uh, you know, now that I'm leaving Utah, I have to walk away from these classrooms. But um, I'm really, really proud of the, the people that I've worked with. And I know that they're going to be totally capable to sustain it after I'm gone. That's great. You can always go back and visit. Come on. Or, you know, modern technology, you know, just. Have... Absolutely. I'm going to want to come back to Utah and ski, let's be honest. So well, why not? Good time to be. What do you think is the most important thing a BCBA should learn and master? Uh, how to win friends and influence people. I actually have it here. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. I just need to start reading that. But yeah, that's that's to, that's to me important. I mean, obviously a master of of uh, uh, the verbal behavior and, and an understanding of the science, but I think that that will do you nothing without the ability to um, work well with other people. And that goes back to my personal failure, professional failure that I described earlier, is that the Dale Carnegie uh, has all the answers. And that book might be more than 75 years old, but it's very, very relevant today. Some rules just never change. I mean, the law, what did I read? Like someone said that, the laws never change. The rules change, but the laws never change. That's one of the laws. That's, That's right. Absolutely. It is one of the laws. For ABA, let's talk about what is the biggest misunderstood term in your mind, a procedure in ABA? Gosh, you know, that's a really, really tough question. It probably, I think maybe the way people define behavior might be, um, and this is just me working in the schools a lot where I hear that's where people say that people, the child had behaviors or there were a lot of behaviors today. And um, I'm always like, well, it's, I'm really happy because I'm glad he, he or she was breathing. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, you know, maybe that. And, and I mean, you know, you hear, 
you hear negative reinforcement butchered a lot. You hear uh, people butcher establishing operations, abolishing operations, and they confuse them with motivating operations, or they, you know, they talk about discriminative stimuli incorrectly. But I, I mean, I don't know. I think we all may ha- have our pet peeves and things get abused. Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe negative reinforcement might be the the other one too. I mean, I'm just kind of trying to think out loud here because you caught me off guard with this one. Um, I don't have any data to to uh, to support that though, so I think that may be an interesting study for you to conduct, maybe for a lit review or something. Or oh, you that that would be your thing. I'll hang write on. it up. I'll write your coattail. Oh, where's my pen? Oh, don't have one. Um, <laughs> write something, and I you know be a bunch of names, and then you know my name would be at the end of the thing. Oh, uh, negative reinforcement. Actually, I'm talking about someone. Someone actually had to serve me we'll talk of some kind of survey thing online that like maybe a good program to use kind of uh, what is your must-have aba book that's not the white book which is funny too because i didn't even purchase the white book until after i made bcba which i think probably makes me weird but i i think honestly anson i want to i want to i want to uh say that i like the book um free will by sam harris but i think it goes along very nicely with the um the notion that free will does not exist and it has a very sort of biological basis for why that's the case, but it's easily translated into behavior analytic um, uh, concepts and principles. And so that that one is one book that's really inspired me. And I also just finished a book called Help at Any Cost, and it was about inappropriate behavior modification procedures in um, the troubled teen industry. You know, companies that recruit teens and take them on these like boot camp excursions in the desert or um, day or, uh, you know, full on treatment facilities and inappropriately apply the principles of punishment. Um, those to me, I think, have, have just been very important, like eye opening books that I've been able to read recently that are not in the everyday um, library of behavior analysts, but are still very important, pertinent. Oh, look them up. But for yeah. me, it's, it's important that we don't just go everything that, that what we need to uh, sell ourselves, like of a better term, to the general public. We mm-hmm. don't want to be all academic. Sometimes we just have to speak. But like you said, verbal behavior is just defined, and uh, we just have to change our language a little bit to appeal to a different audience. Sure, yeah, and that's and that's the thing that I've really appreciated about Sam Harris as as a, as a writer because I think that he has just been able to be such a uh, he appeals to the uh, everyday person in such a way that is admirable and is a way that I would love to be able to write one day. So that's why I really recommend the book Free Will to everybody, and it's about ninety pages long. It's really short. Uh, you can read it in a couple hours and, and really get a lot out of it. I shall look it up. And when you write the book, I'm going to be your publisher. Or <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell you a book somewhere. I don't know. Like the one that you, similar to what you said about your failure. And this question is, uh, some parents come to you and tell you about some diet or therapy that do not provide much data. What would you tell them? I refer the family to the the uh, to the website, the Association for Science and Autism Treatment. I often say, you know, I I make them aware that there may not be data that supports that. And then, you know, if they're doing a diet, I recommend, you know, you you may want to see a um, a pediatrician or somebody who knows about nutrition to be able to make sure that you know you're going to be okay, or that the, your son or daughter is going to be okay. You know, if they're going to take you know their son or daughter on on a you know for a horseback ride and and think it's going to you know, solve the world, I, you know, I may advise that, you know, you might, she may have a good time or he or she may have a good time, but I'm not quite sure if it's going to make the academic and social games, gains that you're t- trying to look for. So part of it is, is, is just being honest, but not being a jerk about it. Um, mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I think it's more important to me that you express that, but you continue to maintain a relationship with the family. 
because if you tell them that their idea is completely stupid, and, and it may it may be completely justified. I don't understand the contingencies that the family is under. You know, I'm, I would just mm-hmm. be a consultant. You know, um, that uh, it's more important that they continue to receive services and good services through either me or my company or the agency or whatever than be completely turned off by. Um, somebody of my type and never contact us again, and then their son or daughter may not get any help. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a tricky balance, and every situation is different. But at least I like to point them in that direction because, you know, we're obligated to. And mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't recommend it. But I think, you know, in some cases too, like you know, going for a horseback ride once a month if the family can afford it and it's not breaking their bank, what's that going to? Well, what kind of harm is that going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, not a ton. But you know, if if they're if they're not being vaccinated or if they're not. Um, eating the right way and they're malnourished through the diet, obviously that's problematic and I would have something to say at that point because, I mean, how could you not, right? Well, similar to this, uh, what would you do if your family or your wife, significant others, relatives asked you to approach you, her friend, someone's, you know, your mother-in-law's cousin's uh, granddaughter looks like she might have something and she wants you to talk to the parent, what would you say? I would say, you know, if, if you ever feel like you're, you're, you know, you're this person that you know has a son or daughter that may have a, uh, have a concern, I would just say I would recommend that they just see a, a physician or they see a doctor who knows about that kind of, who is more familiar with diagnosing, and just talk to them and if there's something that's um, a red flag, then you just go further. And if not, there's there's really no big deal. I mean, we've looked. I've looked at kids before, and it's part of like you know, and it's always the same thing. Whether or not some kids you can tell have autism, and some kids you can't tell. I'm not trained in that, mm-hmm. um, but I think every BCBA or people who work with kids with autism, we could all point out that kid is on the spectrum. <laughs> you you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. but every time I say I'm not qualified to tell you this. I can't make a judgment, but I always I, I am qualified to say if you have any concerns at all, see an expert, okay, and that's uh, all we really can do. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, I want like to rock the boat a little bit here because sure. uh, one of my uh, former supervisors um, should just say that it doesn't make sense that you know we are the ones that would be developing the treatment plan, doing direct therapy with the client, but we're not the one to diagnose the kid that doesn't quite make sense it's like you know uh i'm gonna fix your car but uh someone else have to look at it first and if they they're not gonna fix your car or but they're gonna do it or your doctor you know let's say your your eye doctor is gonna tell you your stomach's not 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 right it doesn't quite make sense that i don't i cannot really find another profession would be like this like in some way i i yeah come yeah well I see what you're saying. And so, I mean, to say that the son or daughter has autism, I would still feel, okay, not, not my area, but to say that your son or daughter engages in self-injurious behavior because it's maintained by access to adult attention, mm-hmm. um, whether or not the child has autism, you know, that, that's obviously something that you and I would be able to deal with. So if there was a mm-hmm. behavioral problem regardless, obviously, you know, that would be something to be able to deal with. But in terms of saying whether or not there's a certain diagnosis that that's attached to these types of behaviors, yeah, I uh, just shy away from that and, and pass it on to somebody who may be more qualified. So I can see it both ways, and I get what you're saying. Do you think that we, you know, in some way maybe like for continuing education or something that could add on to BCBA? I mean, I think that as a profession that we're far, that we're far away from that, I think in the way, 
if you're talking about a master's level behavior analyst, um, I think that there's a lot, a lot more for us to do and and learn before we get to the point in which we're training our professionals to do that in addition to everything else. This is my own personal opinion. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. just I mean, I can see what you're saying too. Just just that why we're doing really good at you know dealing with behavior. Why would we have to you know ask something else? We yeah. just let someone else that with more expertise in DSM. Five to deal with that. This is going to be so easy for you. Can you give us an example of how you apply ABA in everyday life? You know, my favorite, one of my favorite things to do is is to to break things down into really small components, and I do that with my writing. I do that with my um, how I work out and take step by step at a time with my task analysis. And I've been doing it too, and I've learned to play the banjo. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and so I just practice over and over, and um, you know, I try to uh, you know form these chains of responses by moving from chord to chord with my left hand, um, and then continuing to these picking patterns with my right hand. And I know it's all about response chains, so you've got to work the chain over and over. And if you stop, you've got to go back to the last spot that you were successful in, and and, and keep those discriminative stimuli going. You know, in the in the correct order. You know, you know what I'm saying. So that's. That's to me. I, I lo- that's why I love behavior analysis because I can just use it everywhere. I wish I heard you said that when I was trying to learn to play guitar a long time ago. Because yeah. uh, maybe I'll try it, and maybe you and I can audition for the uh, extra. You know, the piano guys. We can be the two new members of the piano guys. Have you seen those guys? No, but I heard that there's a band uh, in behavior analysis called the Autoclinics. Oh, I. Could be guest members of that band. Well, hopefully they will be in Chicago, and you and I are gonna hit them up, and maybe we can, you know, go to karaoke or something. We can, yeah, that too. <laughs> oh, just, just it's too bad. It's just a audio podcast, not video podcast. You can see. Yeah. It's too bad, or, or maybe it's a good thing, right? Um. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> we're still clean. We're clean. We're appropriate. Sure. We're professional. Um. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is your biggest concern in the field? It could be anything: training, parent training, teaching, research, funding, or I don't know, whatever you say. I think my biggest concern in the field is how I still see some students who are very "it's my way or the highway" type of approach, and I think that we just need to continue to do a better job to communicate with other people because. I often find that individuals and other professions are saying the same thing that we are. They're just using different forms of, of verbal behavior to say it. And so that's, that's, there's a barrier in communication, and we can either try to you know, communicate or we can uh, totally disregard it. And so my issue is that we continue to uh, disregard the other professions. And so I feel like that's a barrier and something I think we can do better at. We'll have to work on that. It's so hard to know that we have so data and everything to back us up, but then someone else has to come with some other thing. And then, I don't know, whatever celebrities say that, you know, eating bacon seven times a day would help, I don't know, cure cancer and autism. And then everyone would do that. And we're like, hello, she doesn't know anything or he doesn't know sure. anything. But sure. there's no data to back it up except, you know, her big mouth or his big mouth. But people just, I don't know, yeah, it's hard it's- to play nice that way. It really, it really is. It really is. But I think, you know, too, it's like those people are also doing a better job at marketing. And I know other people have talked about this, and I'm not really one who's very well equipped to talk about marketing. But um, 
you know, I think if other people are getting the word out and we're not, what does that say about our own behavior and how we're responding to the contingencies? Um, you know, I think that we could maybe do better in that. And so those are just some things. I mean, I've got many more opinions, but I mean, um, you know, nothing's perfect. No, no profession is perfect. And it's obviously I care a lot about this and that's why I'm here. So mm-hmm. um, it's not the worst place to be by any means. Right. True that. How about you? What do you think is, is the biggest issue in the, in the field? I, do I get to ask questions? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. No, I thought I'm going to uh, interview all, you know, 50 states and then, you know, I'll pick someone to, I'll find someone to interview me. But uh, then, you know, you and I gonna going to talk more now and later. I always think that is uh, money and politics. That's my graduate school. My background is in uh, early childhood education. My professors like to say that, you know, all questions and answers for education is mm-hmm. money and politics. It sure. just depends on, you know, who has the money and who is in charge in the government at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, someday, you know, tomorrow, someone else in charge can say, you know, ABA no longer is viable service for children with autism or anything. There, I think there's like one state, I forgot what it was, say that ABA was, you know, there's not, evi- there's not evidence-based. I forgot some states, mountain state, I forgot what it was. I'm like, really? People? I mean, uh, okay. And then, you know, someday bacon diet might be working and then, you know, you and I have to get a license to cook bacon or something. Do you love, you love bacon, don't you? I'm going to make a shirt that says that I believe in bacon diet. Don't you steal, steal my idea. <laughs> I'm going to go, I am, that, that, that's, yeah, bacon diet. I believe in bacon diet. Just like a little, what is the most important article in your mind, in our field? I'm thinking this is a tough question. I, I, what's the, the article that Jack Michael wrote? Uh, is the uh, establishing operation and some um, further terms to define them? Is that what that, that article is called? I think so. Right? It's like 1983 or something, right? Yeah. I th- that one to me has been very important. And, and I apologize to everybody who's probably shaking their fist right now because I got the title wrong. That article to me has been very important. I mean, obviously, um, some current dimensions, is, you know, it was very important to me. But that came later in my um, interest in behavior analysis. I think I really got inspired by, by Jack Michael. So I'm going to continue to point in, in that direction. I think his work, his conceptual work, his work in automatic reinforcement, establishing operations in verbal behavior really got got me excited about the conceptual issues in the field so let's let's point that way how's that that works and i'll look up the article oh the paper distinguishing distinguishing between discriminative stimuli and motivated motivational functions of stimuli was very good too that was another paper that i really enjoyed that's something that people often butchers the difference between the eat motivation and discriminative stimuli. See, I have to say, I wish I learned about motivating operations a bit sooner. Because mm-hmm. at one point, I, since you asked questions about me, then I'll throw this out that I I was Lovas trained. I actually attended his uh, lecture and all that. I mean, I like to say that meanwhile, he gave put DTT or ABA on the map. But then on the other hand, that Sunrise and other people say that, you know, we're all robotic and all that is because of the style Lovas had, the DTT, mm-hmm. the intensive treatment and all that. At one point, I kind of lose faith in in uh, ABA. I thought that was the only way to go. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't right. make sense that why would you pair yourself with the 
uh, aversive stimuli when the kid didn't want to work and you have to pair yourself with uh, you know the work table and all that why can we do something differently why can we be you know rolling on the floor with the kid like floor time i wish that but then floor time didn't make sense to me either i'm not saying it didn't work but for me it's another you know pairing and all that you just pair yourself with you know prefer behavior activities and you know and then you build on that Mm-hmm. It just—I never get, you know, when the kid's upset. All you need to do is hug him, and everything would be okay. <laughs> that was easy. Or try that with your wife. Sure. I mean, just, just, sure. just it's just not gonna work. I mean, in most cases, I'm not saying maybe you know, you're more charming and more handsome than I am. That would work for you, but for me, chances are, well, my past history said that is not working. So just gonna do something different. But yeah, motivating operations, I think, is really big, and I wish I knew that a lot sooner. I would be uh, more convinced in ABA field, and you know, I would have gotten my ABA sooner. I would have more years of backing right as you know, the as only young, yeah, yeah. The, the only young in the world. Now I do. Maybe after this, I'll call my dad and tell him, you know what, there's another person. But uh, yeah, You're bad. I'll, I'll just if it's a she, I'll set her up as, uh, I'll, you know, set her up with someone and you know, get her married and change her last yeah. name. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's oh, my evil plan. And and on that note, I just realized that okay, so I was like only um, 20 years off on the date, but the paper I was talking about there was Laraway, Sinerski, Michael, and Polling, 2003. And it's titled "Motivating Operations in Terms to Describe Them Some Further Refinements." Is. So that that was published in Java, uh, 2003, um, page 407 through 413. If anyone wants to check it out, <laughs> oh. sorry, I just couldn't. I just couldn't go without figuring that out and setting the record straight. But um, the yo is strong with this one. Yes, it is, and I'll tell you, like, um, I will blame the fact that I'm so jaded on my citations because I just defended my dissertation on Monday. So you could expect me not to really know up from down at this point. <laughs> I'm still in recovery mode. Oh, so I, yeah, I saw your post saying, like, what? 30 minutes? Come on. You were preparing for, what, two hours? You were preparing for... Yeah, and they, and they worked me for two and a half hours, so with a 30-minute presentation. So it was uh, certainly an exercise of the mind. Oh, I can't wait to be your student. I want to see your students. I mean, when you have your students, it's going to be like, elevator pitch. Come on. You got one minute. Go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can't do it? Then no. I don't want to hear your dissertation. Fail. No, no. Matt would be real cool, so... <laughs> he'll be okay and you know if anyone listen to this and be become his students later and you know i'll pull some strain for you and make sure he pass you which i will yeah which i will be looking for um another shameless plug i'll be looking for a student to enroll um come fall 2015 so um if anybody's interested in hanging around the midwest and going to school at purdue for a PhD. Well, you hear that. So, uh, yeah, you can be his uh, part of one and, you know, can learn some good stuff, learn some great Jedi Trek people. So, look him That's up. That's right. And we're Star Wars fans. We're, we're not Star Trek fans. So, uh, yep, in the, me and the rest of the faculty there, too, I think are partial to Star Wars. I'm pretty sure from what I gathered from my interview. So, we can train them to like Star Wars. What's the best advice you have received? I think that this is kind of. This is some interesting out-of-context advice that I received that's really stuck with me in life is that that being sensible never posed any challenges. I think the way that that translates to me is that you could just be reasonable and not take any risks, but that would be the easy way out in life. And so why not um, push the limits a little bit? Um, it's a little bit difficult, but it's fun because it's difficult and it's fun because it's groundbreaking. And... Yeah. That was that was what I learned when I was in New Zealand, and I don't know why it stuck with me. <laughs> That's good enough. I mean, now you challenge 
some people would not take a you know stranger asking and say, "Hey, would you like to do an interview on podcast and all that?" And you took it, and hopefully that would lead some great things to you. I mean, you're on a great track, Doc. But you know, greater things are gonna happen because you know you would take challenges because you know not taking a challenge is not a behavior. Right, absolutely. And dead men are really good at not taking challenges. So, so we don't want that. Nope. Um, on the other hand, any craziest requests? Uh, I don't know, like some family tell you to teach the kid to do something crazy. You know, and, you know, I I haven't. Is that is that weird that I haven't had anybody ask me to do anything? I've seen a lot of crazy things, and that's uh, a lot of interesting alternative therapies, um, but I've never been asked to do anything completely bonkers, which I think it makes me lucky. In some way, yes. Well, career's not over. I mean, nope. your career is just still very young, so maybe someday, you know, I'll come back to you and, you know, 20 years later, you know, I'll fly my spaceship to your planet and, you know, we can talk about, you know, 20 years ago, we're on this thing called computer doing podcasts and we did this <laughs> broadcast this to, I don't know, the whole Wookiee Nation and all that. We'll see. Okay, let me. Since we're wrapping up, and I want to ask you this question that's more like a curveball. Do you like baseball? I do. Yeah, I like baseball a lot more than other sports. So, what's your favorite team? The Tigers, man. Although the last time the Tigers won the World Series was was when I was born. That was in '84. So, that's almost 30 years ago. So, it's been pretty pathetic. Well, your boys just beat my Dodgers uh, last night. So, oh, well, there you go. I don't know. Just spend so much money and they're still not winning any games. But, you know, the Tigers are good. I mean, the hit, the hit, I mean, the lineup, geez. Um, imagine you wake up tomorrow morning and all your client population, whatever it is for you, could be students, could be some of your um, student, I mean, your graduate student or, you know, some of the children with autism and they are gone, but you still have all the, knowledge in ABA, what would you do? I would go and I would teach individuals to recognize avalanche danger using behavior analysis. Because <laughs> I just love snow and I love skiing and I love snow safety. And that would be the other way I would go. I would I would use the science to teach people to understand avalanches. I mean, I know it's weird, but I mean, it's totally there and it can totally be applied. And I, I'm waiting for someone to make a career out of that because I'm just going to envy them for when they do that's random isn't it but I, I i honestly feel very strongly about that if you were to wipe my slate clean right now and say go do something completely different that's exactly what i would do well i can still do it you can still do it and you know you and i you're gonna own a, i don't know some kind of resort in park city and then you know <laughs> i want to make sure i'm safe i'm going to you know you invite me to ski and all that i want to make sure i'm safe and you know uh. going to mass places the safest place you can be statistics show that you know there's nowhere in the world could be safer because he had this safety program absolutely that's the only absolutely. way to go that's a business idea and I, I i you know i call it so i got dips and that's all, I mean, it's all human behavior because, you know, you look at avalanche deaths and, and it's a lot of it has to do with the human factor making, uh, engaging in inappropriate behavior that put themselves in danger. And so all you need to do is just shape that stuff up to make sure that it's all happening the right way and you save a lot of lives. That's all we can do. And, you know, that's part of everyday do is, you know, bacon diet cannot save lives, people. <laughs> Although I'm still waiting for that research study. You might be able to show otherwise, right? Bacon diet may be able to save lives. Well, that's another research paper that you know you and I should co-author that that one. <laughs> I'll ride. I'll ride your coattails on that one. How about? <laughs> just like we just like 
I'll be the subject. I was like, I eat bacon to death, and you know, you know <laughs> see my urology too. Do you think we can get that through the IRB? Yeah, it'd be kind of hard. Uh, well, little bacon grease might help. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Um, any last piece of advice, and how can we find you? I mean, you are moving, and we all know that. So you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, so I'll be starting in the Department of Educational Studies in the fall at, at Purdue University. So you find me there. Uh, if, if if people want to connect with me on LinkedIn, that's cool. Um, Matt Broadhead, B-R-O-D-H-E-A-D, um, is always a good place to connect as well. And I will be at ABBA, and you know, I'm, I always like just to chat with people and meet up and, and see faces. I know we see a lot of names online, but it's nice to put a, fi- a physical face to the name. And so, poster sessions, uh, socials, you know, I try to be around and, and uh, network. So I hope that I feel like I'm approachable, but I, and I like to approach other people as well. So well, you have me and I have you, so we're good to go. At yeah, least we, we have each other. That's good. Have each other in in the grape juice. Yep, and. Well, yeah, and something else. We'll see. We'll go to Chicago. We're gonna have their local beverages there. We'll test. Have it. you? Are you? Do you guys have uh, Bell's beer in in uh, in uh, Kansas? Uh, That's where. You're... No, uh, I'm in Kansas right now. No, uh, I'll look it up. I think the big thing here is Boulevard and okay. Kansas, uh, Kansas City area. Okay. We'll, we'll see, but uh, yeah, just maybe we should do a behavior beer tour or something. That would that would be good, and I think that would be well received. See, well, we do something right. Just change one brewery at a time or something, one drinker at a time. Absolutely. All right, dude. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll get this together. And, you know, thank you, Dr. Bro. Oh, it, no, thanks for chatting with me. I always like to talk about behavior analysis. So, Well, we got all whole memory weekend to talk about that. Cool. Sounds good. All right, man. Take care. And let me stop this. I want to give a shout out to my boy Bobby Gordon. He has taken a new position at San Diego, so he'll be driving across country. So drive safe, buddy. I'll see you in Chicago. Also, Utah, chat.
Thank you.